Hello, you are listening to Delta Dispatches. We're discussing Louisiana's coast, its people, wildlife, and jobs, and why restoring it matters. I'm Jacques Hebert with Audubon, Louisiana. And I'm Simone Malaz with Restore or Retreat. After much confusion and chaos, episode 50. I, I am happy to report that we are now officially on episode 50. I'm so. telling you, it will always be episode 50 for me. I know. We, we kind of blew the celebration when it was actually episode 47, <laughs> but hey, here's to us and here's to the show and our listeners. I love it. So uh, it's always <laughs> <laughs> thanks, BJ. So another busy week. I was out at our rainy sanctuary Monday, Tuesday, <laughs> and we had some folks in from New York. Where are we going to go? We're next showing week? them around. We have to. I don't know. I'm, sure I'm doing a flyover is, and a boat tour. Well, good. So, yeah. As long as one of us is not in the office, we have I to think do we it. Feel like we've done our job. Saw over 85 species of birds. We captured birds? a planetary warbler. I'm an avid listener, Twitter follower. Yeah, yeah. Um, but also, it's been a busy week in the news. A lot of scientific well, studies yeah. coming out. I thought this week was going to be a quiet weekend. Not so much. Lots of news. So much so that it, it kind of hit in a flurry. Um, and we are going to touch on that today, and then we're going to talk about it even more next week. Yeah, I mean, there's just so much to cover so much that to we want to have some uh, additional science science experts on next week. We're going to have Alex Kolker, mm-hmm. who we've had on before, as I well think, as Clint Wilson. I think Clint he's Wilson. like at a um, uh, guest high, right? He, I think he and Alicia yeah, are right. like we kind of neck and neck. Alicia, Although right? our first guest up today is certainly yeah. in the running. Um, I'm so excited to have on the show with us Natalie Perrinen, Director of Science Policy for Mississippi River Delta Restoration with Environmental Defense Fund. Welcome back to Delta Dispatches, Natalie. Hey, Natalie. Uh, so happy to be here with you. <laughs> you sound like it. Thank you, Natalie. <laughs> <laughs> so you are here to discuss some... Mm, breaking news that happened this week, uh, an important study about the Mississippi River Delta that's been getting a lot of coverage. We saw a Washington Post story. We saw, saw coverage in local outlets. But basically, it's um, saying that, you know, the Mississippi River Delta is disappearing, which is not, you know, something we didn't know. But it questions, you know, what are the options looking ahead? So tell us a little bit about the study and what the implications are for coastal land loss and restoration. This is a really great study that adds to this, uh, the breadth of, of science that we have out there that really just shows the power of the Mississippi River. And what they did is they looked historically at the geologic history of how the Mississippi River has built all the land that, that coastal Louisiana lives on. And, you know, the towns of Raceland and Golden Meadow and Fouchon were all built by this Lafouche Delta when the Mississippi River used to run the course of Bayou Lafouche. And what they did is they looked to see how much land it built over time and, and how that delta was built and then how it receded when the the Mississippi River changed course. And part of the reason that it, it is getting so much press is because, you know, they're saying with the study that at the time of lower sea level rise and when the Lafouche Delta was building, it was building at a very substantial rate, but it doesn't match up with the rate of land loss. So we'd still be at a net land loss. Well, that is something that we've known. That is something that the state master plan for the coast incorporates and understands that our future is a smaller delta. Right. And so to hone in on that point, um, and you mentioned the Coastal Master Plan 2017, that was kind of a, a big change or, or development from the science of that plan, was that, you know, even with all this restoration um, and all the efforts that the state is pursuing through sediment diversions, we're still not going to get to a place where we're maintaining the current coastal footprint. Is that correct? No, we won't. Uh, the, the future of our delta will be different. The coast of Louisiana will look very different in the future. 
the key that we need to think about is how do we come together and build a sustainable coastline? How do we protect our coastal communities, our coastal culture um, in those key areas with sediment diversions, with using the power of the river? And that's what we, I think that that is reiterated by the science that sediment diversions using the power of the river is really essential to our future. And in the study itself, and I saw in some of the media coverage that came out, the scientists themselves said that in, in some ways this study was another um, validation for sediment diversions, right? Absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, the river built everything we live on, and the river is the only thing that's going to be our future. And if we don't use the river, then a lot of things are going to have to change. Uh, and the future of coastal Louisiana and our culture and our communities is questionable. We have to use the river uh, to have the future that we want. Yeah, we were just talking about, Natalie, if you heard us chit-chatting about it, it was kind of a busy news week for us with these studies, but also they had an opinion, um, an op-ed that was published this week about, you know, the the power of the Mississippi River and, and missing that opportunity. So you probably see that as well, right, when we have these high river times that um, you you know what the power of the river can do. And so it is a, it's an educational opportunity, but it's also a, um, a missed opportunity. Yeah, I mean, you have these floods on the river and it's bringing so much sediment down and that sediment is being wasted. And all we need to do is capture that sediment um, and get it out into the wetlands and start to build and sustain land. And sustaining land is just as important as building new land because, as everybody knows, we're losing land like crazy. And what we need to do is get that sediment out there so the wetlands stop being lost. We build new wetlands. Um, and we restore that ecosystem. And I know that it will be a beautiful, productive ecosystem because anybody that's been out to Wax Lake knows that that is a beautiful, productive ecosystem that we can have in coastal Louisiana. So in a way, if we get to that point, we start building these diversions, we build more and more, and we maximize our use of the river, we can have a beautiful coastal Louisiana. Yeah, that's a really good point, Natalie. When uh, we talk about um, uh, restoration in, in my part of the world, in, in Terrebonne and Lafourche, there are parts of Terrebonne with that we just have to talk about saving, much less rebuilding in, in a particular project increase the Chafalaya. And you know this from your previous work with CPRA and the master plan, that project solely just saves that piece. And, um, you know, without a project, there, that whole ecosystem collapses. And so, you know, I think even the, the CPRA's master plan uses that term, um, uh, acres benefited, right? Because it's um, sometimes it's not just about being lost. It's about saving what we do have. You know, and... Yeah, absolutely. Oh, go ahead, Nolly. Oh, I, I was just going to say that it, it is one of those things where we have to look at, can we reduce the rate of loss, but can we build new? And where can we do what? And, yeah, in your neck of the woods, Simone, central Louisiana, it's a very tougher story, but there's still ways to use the river there um, to help move sediment and water and, you know, rebuild and sustain those wetlands. 
And I mean, the Coastal Master Plan takes this approach, right, which we have emphasized in our reports, which is there's no one solution to this. I mean, you have to look at restoration, obviously, you know, um, looking at home elevations and that sort of thing is really important as well. Um, and I think that re- this this study reinforces that. I mean, one thing to note is that the journalist with the Washington Post, Chris Mooney, who did the the story there, I mean, in a Twitter feed mentioned that, look, this doesn't mean the river diversions are fruitless. Like I said, they will build new land. It looks like close to New Orleans that will help fight off rising seas and hurricane threats. We still need to build land as much land as possible and get started as soon as possible. So the next thing is to watch if these diversions get off the ground in a reasonable time frame in the coming years. Yeah, that's the key. That really is the key that the quicker we can get sediment diversions, multiple sediment diversions operating and moving, the better chance we have in the future because sea level rise is on an exponential scale, right? So it's, slowly increasing now, but in the future, it's, it's going to drastically increase. And the more land we can build right now, the better we will be in the future. And so the key is get them built right now, get them on the ground, get them operating, get them moving, and then our future is better by that. And on that note, Natalie, I mean, we're, we're almost out of time, but we had some good news recently about especially the Mid-Barataria sediment diversion moving forward, correct? We had great news. Um, the, the state of Louisiana and the federal agencies involved in permitting have come together and agreed on a timeline to get a permit done for Mid-Barataria Sediment Diversion by 2020 to start construction. Well, and that I, is amazing. Yeah, and we're going to be following it very closely um, and giving updates. I mean, of, of course, this study just shows we can't wait any more time. We need to get these things up and running. Natalie Perrinen, thank you so much for joining us and helping us unpack this this study. And we hope to have you back on soon. Thanks, Natalie. You're welcome. Bye. Bye. We'll be right back after the break. You're listening to Delta D- Dispatches on WGSO 990 AM, also available online at deltadispatches.org. Hi, I'm Don Cheadle. Listen up. I want to talk to you about something important, the Environmental Defense Fund. EDF isn't like some of the other environmental groups. EDF works together with those on both sides of the issue. Despite all the fighting in Washington, EDF has found ways for both parties to support real progress. That has made our air and water cleaner and the products in our homes safer. So not only can our planet prosper, so can our future. Go to edf.org to see how you can help. National Wildlife Federation gives voices to the wildlife conservation values that are part of our country's heritage. We are charting a new course for wildlife that our children and grandchildren will thank us for. Visit our website, nwf.org Louisiana, to find out more about our work to restore and protect coastal Louisiana for generations to come. National Wildlife Federation, uniting all Americans to ensure wildlife thrive in a rapidly changing world. nwf.org Louisiana. At Audubon, we believe that where birds thrive, people prosper. Nowhere is that more evident than in Louisiana. Integrating science, education, and policy, Audubon, Louisiana's mission is to conserve and restore natural ecosystems, focusing on birds, other wildlife, and their habitats 
for the benefit of humanity and the Earth's biological diversity. Visit la.audubon.org to learn more and support our mission. la.audubon.org. Restore Retreat is a coastal nonprofit organization working in the heart of the Barataria and Terrebonne Basins, from the Mississippi River to the Atchafalaya. We work every day to restore Louisiana's coast community and culture with our mission of implementing long-term and large-scale projects for our irreplaceable region. We'll hope you join us in supporting the solution. Check us out on Twitter, Facebook, and online at www.restoreorretreat.org. And we're back. You're listening to Delta Dispatches on WGSO 990 AM. I am Jacques Hebert with Audubon, Louisiana. And I'm Simone Malaz with Restore or Retreat. It is amazing what we can cover in a commercial break. Oh, yeah. Behind the, sh- mm-hmm. behind the show is always, uh, I mean, I'm you know, telling we you. need to get a live stream going. One day going. when we get big and have more fans, we'll do it behind the show. <laughs> so, you know, in the spirit of continuity, last week we were discussing the beautiful oak trees I of Louisiana. Yes. Um, for me personally, perhaps I know no more beautiful oak trees than a stretch of St. Bernard Highway uh, in between Marrow and Violet in an area now known as uh, Dockville Farms. Uh, so we're happy to have this next guest on the show. Chris Haynes is treasurer and board member with the Marrow Foundation, which you know operates the Dockville Farms. Welcome to Delta Dispatches, Chris. Hey, thanks for having me. So tell us a little bit about this, you know, special part of St. Bernard Parish, as well as um, you know Dockville Farms and what you all do there. Dockville Farms is um, our campus where we do a lot of our good work, uh, improving the quality of life. St. Bernard, it's a 122 acres that we've dedicated to community building and education. And um, we do a lot of uh, community building events, and we try to do some programs that uh, helps the youth and um, understand the importance of the river and the environment. And the actual facility um, is relatively new, is that correct? And, and, and from what I understand, I've seen it from the highway. I haven't been, but I promise I will make it there soon. Um, it's a beautiful facility, and you host a lot of events and meetings there. Is that correct? Our, our newest facility is a, a five-story building that is, we call it AMROC, the Arlene Mirror River Observation Center. And um, we have an observation deck that you can basically engage the river from English Turn, and you can see all the way upriver to the Crescent City Connection. So it's a great place to talk about the importance of the river and uh, the history of the importance of the river. And um, it's a beautiful view. We we built that three years ago, and we've we've um, had wonderful programming there that um, really benefits the community and helps us be more of a a regional partner in the greater New Orleans area. Yeah, when we, um, prior to the passage of the 2017 master plan, um, we held these community conversations. We've talked about this quite a bit, and and we were actually able to host one at Dockfield Farms. And and so we were uh, grateful for you to be a host, but also that, um, you know, just by where it is and and who the, the foundation is, you were able to draw people just because of that as well. And so those were the exact kind of community partners that we absolutely had to have to make those events successful and and so we it was a very well attended event and and some really great conversations ahead of the passage of the master plan so you know we can have people um have a better understanding and not have it in that kind of 
sterile public um, kind of format. So thank you. Thank you for doing that. Absolutely. Those are the kind of programming that we're going on there. So it's excellent. And I know you all hosted and in partnership with our organization and others, um, Cook Off for the Coast, which was a really successful, well-attended event. Um, But tell us a little bit about some of the other programming that is happening as a result of the Marrow Foundation and St. Bernard. Absolutely. Um, Whenever we can do something with a a local nonprofit or the schools, the local government, we we want to engage and host that event. So um, April 21st, uh, Saturday next, we are hosting Rock the Casa for Quarter Pointed Special Advocates. It's a fundraiser that's a daytime concert from like 11 till 7 p.m. There'll be kids' activities and three bands and good food vendors. But we brought Casa to St. Bernard. Casa New Orleans uh, applied for a grant, and um, we matched some of the funding that that grant uh, provided them to extend their reach into St. Bernard. I think there was over 100 children in the system or wards of the state. And um, CASA actually engages volunteer advocates to handhold and, and guide these children through the, the court process so that there's there's more of a adult voice in the conversation instead of just becoming a, a ward in the state. And I think they're I think they've reduced that number from 100 to maybe 13 currently. So they're really making a big impact in St. Bernard, and we really want to keep them engaged in here. Yeah, that's so great. My sister's a CASA advocate, um, and so they do fantastic work. But it's it's very cool that you're able to kind of give in-kind donations as well as, you know, as support the work in, in a couple of different ways. And so it's almost like putting your money where your mouth is, right? Well, in this case, well, I guess, thanks. you know, putting um, a band and putting your music where your ear is. So so great work on that. So where can people find out more about Docville Farms and, and, um, and about the work that you do? Um, as far as Docville Farms, we have a, we manage a Facebook page, facebook.com forward slash Docville Farm, D-O-C-V-I-L-L-E, Docville Farm. And uh, we posted that real regular with events coming up, events past, and lots of pictures so you get a feel for the, uh, the area. Our official website is mirofoundation.org, M-E-R-A-U-X foundation.org. And uh, there's a place on there to sign up for our newsletter and get our updates and uh, keep in touch with us. We have have another event coming up in May um, that we host with the LSU Ag Center. And this one's really powerful. We've actually added a a day to an event that they call Ag Magic on the River. And we transform all 21 acres of the riverside portion of the farm into an ag expo field trip that we're planning on about 4,000 children oh, wow. Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday in guided field trips that last about two, and, two hours and 15 minutes. And they'll get to see a demonstration crawfish pond. We've just erected a 3,000 square foot greenhouse where we're growing out native grasses, mangroves, um, things that we use in our plantings that we try to demonstrate and engage the 4-H kids on uh, how to get involved with restoration efforts. They'll get to see all the different show animals and um, insects. It's everything that the Ag Center 
um, promotes as occupation for the future, and uh, it's 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 really robust. And then while we have the field trip set up, we we open to the public Saturday, May twelfth, the day before Mother's Day, ten to two p.m., and it gives a chance for the kids that have come on the field trip to bring mom and dad or grandma and grandpa and show them that they learned that these vegetables actually came from the dirt. That's so cool. And I love kind of the hands-on approach to, you know, connecting kids with their environment and their food and, and agriculture. Um, you know, for, for St. Bernard, like so many places across the region, Hurricane Katrina was so devastating, right? And it was kind of a wake-up call in terms of our coastal issues. Um, why is a foundation, you know, primarily operating in, in St. Bernard, are coastal issues so important to you all? And, and what are some of the, what's some of the work and programs that you do um, to kind of address coastal land loss? Well, um, we're, we're not a Kresge or a Walton Family Foundation. Our, our assets are far outweighed by our land holdings um, than, than actual liquid assets. And um, our, our biggest asset is eroding quite, quite quickly. So about 12 years ago, just before Katrina, we got really involved with um, coastal restoration as an idea. I think we had gone to we had gone to something at the Ritz Carlton a, a conference. I think it was called the Delta Dialogues or something, and that really that really woke my brother and I up to the issues that this foundation would be facing um, in in the nearer future than we were really thinking about. So. Um, Outside of levee protection, I think our foundation owns in the neighborhood of 26,000 acres of marsh. And um, we just want to try and be good landowners and, and show other landowners, you know, yes, it's okay to drag this dredge pipe across our property. We're, we we want to be cooperative and we want to be um, innovative and uh just last October, we hired Blaze Pezold from um, Louisiana Department of Ag and Forestry. Yeah, good catch. Yeah. And Chris, Chris, we want to continue on this topic, but we're right up against a break. Do you mind holding on through the break? Oh, thank you. All right. We'll be right back. You're listening to Delta Dispatches. And we're back. You're listening to Delta Dispatches on WGSO 990 AM. Uh, I'm Jacques Hebert with Audubon, Louisiana. And I'm Simone Malaz with Restore or Retreat. And we are so honored to have Chris Haynes, treasurer and board member with the Merrow Foundation, on with us. We're discussing Dockville Farms, their wonderful space down in St. Bernard Parish. We're talking about environmental education and a lot of the great programs that they support in the community there. Chris, before the break, you were talking about, you know, just coastal issues and, and how, as a, a, a large landowner there in, coastal, uh, in St. Bernard Parish, that's threatened by coastal land loss, um, how engaged you all have been. And you mentioned that you had brought on Blaise Pazold and others. So give us a quick update on some of the other work that you're doing as it relates to coastal issues. Absolutely. Um, one, of the, one of the great things about Blaze is um, we, can, we can try different things that, you know, I think his hands were a little bit tied at the state where you, you had to do something on such a big scale. But um, we engaged with the um, local high school career and pathways uh, organizer and the local community college, Nunez Community College. And we're working with high schoolers and um, 
welded, the welding class at Nunez, and they're actually welding up shoreline protection modules that we're filling with like a peanut-type rock to do shoreline protection and then also uh, give spat producer for the oyster beds in the center of the channel. So these are these are projects that out of two meetings already welding up and and we're going out and doing the science and trying to figure out where to place them so that it's a legacy project so each year they can add 20 or 30 feet of shoreline protection and they can actually begin on the issue themselves as younger adults and it's super exciting to have blaze on board because it really gives us it really gives us um before we're just Serial enablers that um, wanted good things to happen. Now we're actually doing good things, and um, it feels it feels pretty great. One of the things that Blaze has helped us with over the last three years. This will be our fourth year this summer. We're hosting our fourth annual Mississippi River Delta Institute. With it's a three-day um, professional development for teachers that gives them the vocabulary and. Uh, it's high-touch, low-tech things that they can duplicate in their classrooms. It's kind of uh, tailored for grades three through eight science teachers. And it, we start out with um, a tour on the uh, New Orleans Port Riverboat. We see the river up close and personal. We go up to the crevasse in um, St. Bernard where the 1922 crevasse happened, the breach in the levee, and we do... Um, nature walks and transects that talk about the lowland prairies. We go out to the UNO Shea Penland Center for Research, uh, Coastal Research and Facility. And then we take them out to the surge barrier. We go canoeing in uh, the Galvez Canal. Shock and I want to come. Can we come? <laughs> yeah, absolutely. We actually still have room for, I think, 13 more people. We take about 25 from the greater New Orleans area, the 10 parish region, and then we, um, we've we been adopted by a, a school in um, Minneapolis area, the um, Stillwater School System, oh, cool. and they send five every year. And then oh, wow. If, if people are interested here, we send them up for a Mississippi River from <laughs> at their perspective. Fun fact, I have been to Stillwater, Minnesota. It's a really <laughs> cool town and it's just a little upriver. But Chris, what I loved about what you just said is, you know, it's so important to our future, right? Both the workforce development and the partnership that you have with Nunez Community College and helping people, you know, get the skills and develop the skills they'll need to deal with these coastal issues, as well as coastal literacy, which is another topic that we discuss a lot on the show and helping the teachers of our state and the students um, understand these issues because they're not going away. We're we're really proud of um, a lot of people are realizing this. The GNO Inc has has got a study that they're working in all kinds of workforce. You know, we we used to give away fifty scholarships a year to um, academic children in the public schools in St. Bernard. We still do, but we were basically giving them a ticket out because we weren't giving vocational. We weren't giving arts and entertainment scholarships, so we added um, six vota- vocational uh, scholarships a year and four for the arts. So yeah, good move. we can actually start retaining and rebuilding our middle class, and that, that's a challenge for St. Bernard. But GCO Inc. has a great program with uh, Career Pathways. Uh, one, 
one of several, but um, they do have Coastal in, uh, they're working with Delgado and Nunez. And it's really nice to see it taken hold. Well, Chris, it, it has been very enlightening to me to hear all of the work that you're doing. And uh, it's really, really great to hear all of the partnerships that, um, you know, not only are you a, a good steward of your land, but you're figuring out how to maximize and leverage those relationships, both within St. Bernard and outside. So, you know, keep up the great work. That's amazing. You guys, too. We appreciate you guys and your, the work that your organizations do. I just want to give one quick shout out to... St. Bernard Parish Coastal Department. We have three guys that this is the first time that the parish government has actually had a coastal department. And we, we, we are on parallel paths that are merging. It really feels like the momentum has shifted as far as everybody's working towards a goal. And with your organizations also, we, we appreciate everything that you guys do for us. Well, thank you so much, Chris, uh, for the partnership. And yeah, we've had Jerry Graves and others from the Coastal Division and St. Bernard on the show. And it's great to see all the progress that's being made. Simone still has not been to Rocky and Carlos and is kind of someone who grew up on the borders of St. Bernard Parish. I got stuck in this red gravy conversation. So if you know anything about us, the last thing we want to end with is our fun question. Are you a red gravy, brown gravy? Well, as my friend Barry Lemoyne says, it's all about the bread gravy. A little <laughs> bit of brown and a little bit of red. Ah, like there you it. go. That's Good answer. answer. That's my inside answer now. Well, thank you, Chris. We'll have you back on the show soon. We'll talk about more some of the uh, some more about those cool events that you have coming up. All right, you guys have a great day. Thank you. So we're moving down the parish. We started at Dockville Farms. We're driving down St. Bernard Highway, and Looking we are arriving three. in Poitras at Crevasse 22. I'm so excited to have our next guest, who has such an extensive resume and, and biography across media and marketing and the arts and communications. Um, Jean Nathan, who is executive director with Cano and, and Crevasse 22, which is actually located in St. Bernard and um, in Poitras. Welcome to Delta Dispatches, Jean. Well, thank you. I'm happy to join you. Well, you know, Chris just mentioned Crevasse 22 and the location and that he's taken students there. Um, and, and you and I were talking a little bit earlier about the St. Bernard Bird Festival and some of the, the programming that will have, um, you know, be uh, tied to the festival. But tell us a little bit, for those who may have not been, what is Crevasse 22 and how did it get started? So um, it got started sort of in one of those little serendipitous moments. Um, my husband, Bob Tannen, is an artist, and I were having breakfast at Setsuma, and uh, Sidney Torres III, who's the attorney, um, not his son who works in the French Quarter, but um, the, uh, the attorney, um, was there, and we've known him for many years because of um, our mutual interest in the arts. And um, he said, you know, I've been thinking about doing something with the arts down at uh, my site on the river. Would you like to see it? We said, sure. And we came along for a little ride. And um, I got uh, Setsum is in, of course, Bywater, and down to the uh, site at Poitras was only about 20 minutes. We got there, and I said, oh, my God, it was such a spectacularly beautiful site. It is um, a, it's kind of the, uh, the terminal uh, point of a, of a bayou, Bayou uh, Carolabuff, that became a little lake as a result of what was a crevasse or a breach in the river levee in 1922. And um, 
we generally think that every breach in the levee of the Mississippi River was um, an explosion. This wasn't. It was a natural crevasse. It flooded St. Bernard. And it was actually the foundation for a bad idea, which was in 1927 (laughs) when the folks in New Orleans said, oh, well, let's just go bomb another uh, hole in the levee down in St. Bernard, and that'll save New Orleans from the 1927 flood. That was basically bad science. If there was going to be a breach, it needed to be above uh, the city, and ultimately there was a natural breach above the the city that helped out. But anyway, um, this site is part of a larger property of about 30 acres that um, Sidney Torres III and his partner, Roberta Burns, have put together. And that's where he lives and uh, where they actually have a ranch because they are Pasifino competitors, Pasifino <laughs> horse competitors. Um, but then there was this um, kind of grassy area alongside the bayou on the other side of the bayou from where they are. And um, uh, he showed it to me and said, you know, hmm, it was just at the dawn of Prospect 3, and Prospect is this big festival of art that comes uh, now every three years and brings artists in from all over the world. And I said, you know what, let's do a pop-up sculpture garden for Prospect 3 and see what happens. I said, I can't guarantee you two people, but we'll um, we'll see what happens. And Jean, I want to hear more about that, but we, we're right up against the break. So let's talk about the yeah. artists and the exhibits right when we get back. You're listening to Delta Dispatches on WGSO. Welcome back to Delta Dispatches. I'm Simone Laws with Restore Retreat. And I'm Jacques Bear with Audubon, Louisiana. Welcome back to the show, Gene. Um, I just wanted to make the connection. I've known Bob for a long time. He's been in the in the coastal world. And uh, even recently, he got a shout out at the New York Times panel that we had at the Greater New Orleans Foundation. So, okay. oh, yeah. I didn't even see that. <laughs> so uh, I'm a member of the Governor's <laughs> Advisory Commission. So I remember Bob from, from way back, actually, as long sure. as, as I've been doing this. So please well, tell He's 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 definitely been uh, one. Of, he's one. You know, he's not the only one. A lot of artists now are really interested in the environment and doing work. But he's been doing it well just about since I've known him. He came to this region originally in 1969 to help with the redevelopment of the coast of Mississippi as a planner. That's mm. his day job, and then um, started doing work that uh, refers to what's happening with our coasts ever since. But so he's one of the artists, by the way, who's out there at the. Um, yeah, that was going to be. Yeah, that that actually was going to be my next question. Tell us a little <laughs> okay. bit more about the sure. about the artists that are there. All right. So the, first of all, let me just clarify that there are actually two facilities there, Crevasse Twenty Two, which is the name of the sculpture garden itself, which is of course outdoors, and then um, River House, which is a uh, um, a big home that was essentially not abandoned, but the people who were there didn't come back after the storm, so Sydney turned it into a museum. And so in that building, um, we do um, indoor work. So we have an exhibit right now up called Migration, and um, it's kind of working off the idea of birds and boats as symbols of um, migration of species. And we, we this is both a positive thing that goes on, but it's also a kind of scary thing when an area is becoming environmentally or politically threatened and people have to move someplace else. So, of course, people first migrated to the area um, way back in the 1700s and 
And now some um, migrated after Katrina, and um, of course, as Chris talked about, and as Sydney talks about all the time, we're looking to bring people back. And and the arts is one of the ways that you create an environment friendly for people. So um, he made a commitment to doing these art projects. So right now we have um, people like uh, Mitch Godet, who has a glass uh, and iron work out there, Rain Bedsall, who has a boat with ribbons adorning it, hanging close to the water itself, to that little lake I mentioned. Um, there's a piece by um, Jean Koss, who works with glass and metal. There's um, a big bird by the um, this couple, this really kind of extraordinary couple that works with these huge um, bird forms made with um, all kinds of um, oh um, natural materials uh, that has a quite dramatic pr- uh, presence on the site right now. Inside, uh, oh, Bob Tannen has uh, uh, a piece out um, that is, um, let's see, what is it called? It's, he uses flat, oh, teepee, flat boats teepee. So the idea is a teepee made out of flat boats that when the water comes, you can basically escape fast. And then there's a, a kind of a, a um, pallet uh, constructed um, uh, would-be levy that is a comment on the safety of uh, the likelihood that our le- levees will actually um, save us from our ocean rise and our coastal erosion. Then there's um, inside um, everything from very traditional uh, carved wildfowl championship work that's just gorgeous um, and then uh, works by John James Audubon and Walter Anderson uh, from the kind of traditional end, the historical end. And then there's um, new works by Jan Napoli and um, Pippin, um, uh, Frisbee Calder, uh, and by um, Jacqueline. Um, I'm so I should have my names in front of me because I'm so terrible about remembering all my names. But um, it's a huge mural um, that. Jackie did, and I. She's going to kill me for not remembering. Last <laughs> well, you need day, to go see it. Right? Well, yeah, people <laughs> will just have to visit. And and Jean, we were talking about, um, you know, obviously the art is so beautiful and impressive in and of itself, but it's kind of the art in concert with the environment surrounding it. So tell us a little bit about exactly. the property. You said that there, it is kind of varied that you have. I mean, at least we were talking about it from a bird perspective. You have water birds. I'm sure you have warblers in the wooded area. So tell us, like, what physically the property looks like. Well, it's a combination of a very um, kind of water-oriented space because it's got this um, lake that was created by the crevasse out of what was a bayou. So it's a uh, a lake that kind of drifts into being a bayou, Bayou uh, Terlebuff, that continues um, on with an interruption for the um, St. Bernard Highway. And, um, and then there's a wooded area right behind the uh, river house itself. And there are two trails uh, through the wooded area that will be open for birding on the same weekend that the St. Bernard Birding Festival is taking place at um, the um, uh, uh, Islenos uh, location just down the road. It's only five minutes away. Yeah, and... Um so when is the bird festival? The bird festival is the 27th of April and the 28th, so okay. that Friday yeah. and Saturday. And we're hoping to actually have an Audubon um, ornithologist there to help with the uh, bird tour. Very cool. Yep. I think that um, it's uh, 
It's an incredible area for birding. You probably know a whole lot more about that than I do. But I know that uh, by our lake we have all kinds of waterborne birds. There's always lots of pelicans and cormorants and and um, and hingas, if that's the right okay. way to say that. You already that. know more than me, Jean. So. <laughs> <laughs> um, and then, um, of course, the, the birds that like the woods are, are all over the woods. And, and um, somebody came out just recently and checked it out, and uh, I think they counted somewhere close to about 10 species that they just heard on their little walk that they took through the woods, so I know that they're there. So I, I want to make sure that if, I mean, people should go if they can go for the bird festival, but, you know, you're open at other times of the year as well. So how can people visit the space? So it's open um, most weekends from 11 to 4. And the only reason I say most is if the weather is really bad, we're not going to be open. So we suggest that people call us to see if we're open. And the phone number is 218-4807, But usually it's open. um, And then on uh, Saturdays and Sundays. And we're also available by appointment. So if a group wants to come out, if students want to come out, if... Uh, visitors to the city are on a tour group and they want to come out, we will uh, open for them uh, during the week. We're also Fridays often available and open um, because Jillian Gibson, who's our preparatory, is usually out there on a Friday kind of preparing for the weekend. So um, that's an alternative. But generally speaking, 11 to 4, Saturdays and Sundays, our, our um, hours are definitely open for the public, unless, as I say, there's some kind of big old storm coming. Well, I have only had the opportunity to drive around the property, and so I'm going to make that up and come as soon as I can, and I think others should as well. Um, and, hey, they can pick up some crawfish at Casanova Seafood on the way out. Is that right? <laughs> Absolutely, yeah. We picked up a little, quite a bit of stuff on our last trip down. And, and let me just point out that we are immediately adjacent to the Mississippi River levee, and... Um, there is access. I mean, we don't like four-wheelers racing up and down the levee, which does happen on occasion, but um, you can get up and, and, and ultimately see the river. It's a huge batcher there, so you kind of have to follow the levee out until you can actually see the river, but um, it is immediately adjacent to the river. And um, so it's, it's the museum itself. It is the sculpture garden. It is the waterborne uh, area for uh, the kinds of birds that you shorebirds that you would normally see by the water, and then the wooded areas with the trails where you can um, see the kind of birdies that like to hang out in the in the trees. Well, Jean, you know, it is such a great place to have, you know, in St. Bernard and so close by to New Orleans and could not recommend people go enough. Um, we will certainly share more information about the St. Bernard Bird Festival and, and let them know what's happening. Thank you again for being on. Um, we'll have to have you back and talk more about what's going on with the Creative Alliance of New Orleans as well. Not another time, but I, by the way, just want to mention it's Jackie Bishop, Jacqueline Bishop, <laughs> the artist who did the mural with <laughs> It was going to come to you, I promise. <laughs> Wonderful. Well, also, let's get, go out and see that. Okay. Thank you so much, Jean, and Take thank care. you uh, to everyone and all of our guests. This is another episode of Delta Dispatches. We'll see you next week. Bye-bye.